Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep Podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep Podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. Top 5 Most Disturbing Experiments Ever Conducted Humans, at their best, are capable of achieving great things and doing great acts of kindness, but at their worst, they can be the bearer of doom, violence, and death. The cases on this list pits humans against one another, all in the name of science and cruelty. These are the top 5 Most Disturbing Experiments Ever Conducted. Number 5. Artificial Blood Transfusions Artificial blood at first glance seems like a good idea. For one, it has no expiration date and can be kept for a long time without spoiling unlike human blood. Second, artificial blood also doesn't require any sterilization since it already undergoes that process during the manufacturing. Third, it can be used by any person of any blood type. An important distinction if it's a medical emergency or urgent situation. Finally, those with religious restrictions about blood transfusion can technically use it since it's not taken from another human being. But despite all the seemingly good things about it, there's a huge controversy surrounding the use of artificial blood. Not only for the blood's effectiveness and safety, but also with the ways it was tested among the general public. 
From 2004 to 2016, a hemoglobin-based oxygen carrier called Polyheme, created by Northfield Laboratories, was administered to trauma patients. This took place in over 20 hospitals all around the United States. The artificial product was first developed during the Vietnam War and extracted from hemoglobin. Basically, patients were given the fake blood substitute for testing purposes, and they didn't have to agree to receive it at all. The experiment caused controversy and a lot of questions, but nevertheless pushed through. Since trauma patients were unconscious, they technically didn't need to give their consent for the medical procedure. This was also the reason why the FDA approved the test as a non-consent study. During the time this occurred, Northfield Laboratories said they conducted meetings to educate people about the study and gave them the chance to wear a bracelet to help emergency personnel identify if they wanted to participate in it or not. Regardless, the company was criticized for not disseminating information to the communities enough. It's unclear what the results were of the study, but during 2009, the FDA rejected Northfield Laboratories' biological license application, and eventually the company folded. It's estimated that more than 700 patients were used as guinea pigs by the study spanning the 20 hospitals that participated in the program. The fact that the results have not been shared lead many to believe it didn't go over too well. Number 4. Milgram Experiment In 1961, Nazi war criminal Adolf Eichmann and others were put on trial for their participation in the killing of thousands of people under orders. Their defense reasoned they were simply following orders from their superiors. Out of curiosity for this reasoning, leading Yale psychologist Stanley Milgram devised an experiment trying to answer two prominent questions. One, could it be that Eichmann and his accomplices in the Holocaust were just following orders? And two, could we call them all accomplices? Milgram's idea was to find out if people were more obedient to authority, even if they knew what they were doing could lead to the harm or death of another human being. For the experiment, he advertised in the paper for participants. Each participant was paired with another person. Both drew cards to assign them as either the learner or the teacher. But this drawing of lots was rigged, so the participant was always the teacher, and the learner is actually Milgram's associate, pretending to be a real participant of the experiment. They were placed into two rooms at Yale University. One room held the learner, who was strapped to a chair with electrodes, and the other room was the teacher, and next to them the experimenter. This third person was an actor assigned by Milgram to serve as an authority figure who was dressed in a gray lab coat. The experiment was simple. The learner was asked questions, and every time they answered wrong, the teacher was told to give them an electric shock with an increase in the level of intensity for every mistake. They had 30 switches in front of them in which to administer the shocks, and they were marked from 15 volts, which was a mild shock, all the way up to 450 volts, which was a severe shock. As part of the experiment, the learner only gave the wrong answer on purpose, forcing the teacher to administer the shock treatment. If they refused or hesitated, the experimenter would provide a series of prods or orders to get them to continue. In the end, the Milgram experiment showed that up to 65% of the participants who were the teachers administered up to 450 volts to the learners. 
Shockingly, every single participant administered as high as 300 volts, all while hearing the screams from the learners coming from the other room. After this, Milgram conducted 18 more variations of the study, altering the situation and other variables to see how this affected obedience. The Milgram experiment is enlightening for what it revealed about man's susceptibility to follow orders, especially if the authority figure proclaimed responsibility for the results. This need for obedience is ingrained in all of us from the way we have been brought up, particularly via school, our workplace, and in our families. But despite this, the experiment's shocking nature was criticized for deceiving its participants. Most of them suffered severe stress, knowing they hurt somebody else. However, Milgram defended that the stress was only short-term, and the participants were informed of the real situation after the experiment concluded. Plus, he conducted a debriefing a year after, and over 80% of the participants were said to have been pleased to have taken part in the experiment. Number 3. Dr. Loretta Bender It's already shocking to hear of inhumane experiments conducted on adults, but when they're done on children, they take on another form of sinister. But that's exactly what Dr. Loretta Bender, a once-respected child neuropsychiatrist from Bellevue Hospital, did between 1940 and 1953. Dr. Bender experimented heavily on children ages 3 to 12, focusing on those with autistic schizophrenia. In a bid to cure them, she used electroconvulsive therapy on over 100 patients during the time. In 1947, Bender described the results of her treatments overall as positive. She said, The children were always somewhat improved by the treatment, but this was clearly a false report. Publicly, Dr. Bender kept touting her results, but privately, she was disappointed and frustrated with the effects, saying the children were worse than when they first came in. In fact, independent studies conducted by two psychologists in 1954 on the same children who underwent the therapy concluded that she did more harm than good. The parents reported that their kids were worse after the treatment. At least one nine-year-old boy was recorded as having attempted suicide because he was afraid of more terrifying shocks. But still, these treatments went on, and no one deemed it unusual to stop or even question what the good doctor was doing. In fact, Bender not only continued on with her work, but she expanded her treatment of autistic and schizophrenic children by using psychopharmaceutical drugs and later got involved with the CIA to administer LSD to children under 12 years old. One primary drug she used was metrazole, a respiratory and circulatory stimulant that when used in higher doses could cause seizures. The CIA used the same drug and injected them into the enemy and communist agents. The metrazole would induce violent shaking, turning, and twisting of the body. It also caused bone fractures and joint dislocations. Dr. Bender's various experiments continued on all the way up until the 60s. Oddly, even though many were scandalized by her, so few spoke against it. Even today, her name continues to be respected in the field despite all the questionable ethics she employed in conducting her quote-unquote treatments. Number 2. Holmesburg Prison Skin Experiments When dermatologist Dr. Albert Kligman first entered Holmesburg Prison in Pennsylvania, he famously remarked that all he saw before him were acres of skin. 
the hundreds of possible test subjects, all potentials for experimental research. The testing in Holmesburg first came to light in an expose published in the Philadelphia Inquirer on January 11, 1981, decades after the experiments were conducted. This report detailed dioxin testing done on several sets of prisoners. The Dow Chemical Company had wanted to know whether the pesticide they developed, particularly dioxin, was harmful to humans and what was the minimum amount that would cause side effects so they could create a safety threshold. Dioxin is a byproduct of certain herbicides and is lethal even in small doses to lab animals. However, there is yet proof whether exposure to humans is lethal aside from causing a skin condition dubbed as chloracne. It is, however, speculated that dioxin causes liver and kidney damage along with cancer during exposure. Kligman was hired by Dow Chemical, and in the prison there were several rounds of testing. On May 11, 1966, he first reported his findings. He had taken six groups of ten men and administered dosages of 16 micrograms of dioxin and nothing more. The men were also giving kidney and liver tests. Dr. Kligman announced there were no developed symptoms. Soon another round was authorized. In his second set of results, he said he had gotten a new panel of 10 subjects and increased the application of dioxin to 7,500 micrograms, a far cry from the 16 deemed already fatal to lab animals. He reported that 8 out of 10 subjects developed chloracne in the third and fourth week. In some instances, these lesions transformed into postules and papules lasting 4 to 7 months since no treatment was given to the prisoner. Although it was clear there were over 70 test subjects, unfortunately, none of the names have ever been known. Over time, various prisoners have stepped forward believing they may have been a part of the experiment during the time, but there's no concrete way to identify whether they were part of the program or not because of the lack of records. Despite this controversy, apparently dioxin testing wasn't the only thing Kligman did. He also subjected victims to quantities of fungi, and made them wear boots for a week so he could study how the feet can be infected with ringworm. There was also a study where skin viruses like herpes and warts were doled out on the subjects too. Meanwhile, another study he did involved infecting the men to long ultraviolet rays in various microbial species. Kligman also worked in tandem with the United States Army by administering mind-altering drugs. The prisoners had no idea what they were taking because there were no consent forms. Inmates claimed that, at one point, about 80-90% to 90% of the prison population, approximately 1,200 people, were being experimented on, but to this day, no one knows for sure or what exactly the side effects have been. Number 1. Unit 731 World War II was a brutal time. It revealed how far mankind would stoop to crush down their viewed enemies. One of the major players in the war, and among the most brutal, was the Imperial Japanese Army. They had an outfit called Unit 731, which was a covert biological and chemical research section that conducted horrifying and lethal human experiments. Between 1935 and 1945, the unit created a home base in the Pingfang district of Harbin in northeast China. 
On the outside, the large complex was known as the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department of the Kwantung Army. It covered 2.3 square miles and had more than 150 buildings. Some of these were factories and contained more than 4,500 containers used to house plague-infected fleas, cauldrons of chemicals, and about 1,800 containers worth of biochemical agents. It said the facility could produce 30 kilograms of bubonic plague bacteria in a matter of days. At its peak, more than 3,000 women, men, and children were used as logs, their term for human experiment subjects, and also because on the outside the locals were told the place was a lumber mill. The majority of these logs were Chinese, but there were also Mongolian, Korean, Soviets, Australians, and allied POWs. The unit received a huge amount of support from the Japanese government up until the end of the war in 1945. For experiments, they were some of the most brutal you could ever imagine. Thousands of men, women, children, and infants were deliberately infected with various diseases and bacteria just to see what would happen. They were then vivisected without anesthesia, causing their deaths. Some prisoners would be amputated to study blood loss, then the same limbs reattached to the opposite sides. Some had their stomachs removed and their esophaguses attached to their intestines. Livers, lungs, and brains were removed, and this was all for the sake of seeing the results. Worse still, nearly all the victims were operated on while alive because researchers believed death would affect the results. Male and female prisoners were injected with venereal diseases like gonorrhea and syphilis. Prisoners were also repeatedly raped and forced to have sex with each other for entertainment of the researchers and guards. Experiments on frostbite were performed by physiologist Yoshimura Hisato. He would take prisoners outside and freeze a body part in water. Once the water was frozen solid, the ice was chipped away and doused with water of different temperatures. Worse still, these gruesome experiments weren't just conducted on adults, but children as well. Most female prisoners were bred like cattle, and their children experimented on like their parents. Large amounts of babies were born captive in the facility, and no records of survivors have ever been found. Chemical and bioweapons were also tested on the general populace all through World War II. Plague-infected fleas were released in cities like Ningbo in 1940, Hunan, and Shangde killing thousands. There were so many more atrocities committed by Unit 731 that it's hard to list them all. The unit was headed by General Shiro Ishii. It's believed that under its full operation, there were more than 3,000 researchers involved in the unit. But when the war ended, surprisingly, General Douglas MacArthur struck a deal with the Japanese informants, granting immunity to the physicians and researchers of Unit 731 including their leader, Ishii, in exchange for providing America with their research information. So there were the top five most disturbing experiments ever conducted. At the core of it all, all points of destruction begin with humans willingly and knowingly destroying another for whatever purposes and gain they can justify. Evolution is a slow process, and until we can show more compassion, then you can be sure these types of experiments will continue on. If you like this video, then please subscribe to this channel. And remember that every Wednesday and Saturday, we have new videos coming out every single week. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you soon.